Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Vintage McCoy. We have been enjoying Gabriel Finocchio as he's been taking a look at postmodernism. We've been going through it. Last night we saw postmodernism and the family. Tonight we're going to take a look at postmodernism and the church. And you saw some of those memes with the woke Jesus. Those are so insightful for what has infiltrated the church, and Gabriel's going to cover that. You don't want to miss it. You need to understand this stuff. It's critical for the survival of Western civilization. So buckle up and get ready. We'll see you in a bit. Kairos, this is your moment. Liberty is not man's idea. It's God's idea. We must participate in the public square. moment in time that will define history as we know it, the furtherance of America as we know it. That's a powerful gift, freedom, and we're not going to bow to tyranny. This isn't me standing, it's us. This is the moment for the body of Christ. We pray that there would be an awakening and a revival in the nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there you have it, folks. I, I, I told you that Gabriel's going to be with us again tonight, and he's going to be covering postmodernism and the church. And we have witnessed this in this last year with COVID-19, that the church has been shuttered, and uh, there's been a division in Christendom. There are those who say what we're doing is non-Christian, and it's not loving our neighbor. There's other churches that are shuttered, and uh, they're posting black tiles, they're marching with BLM Inc. And then along comes Theos U into my life, as well as these woke Jesus memes. And in a little bit in the program, I want to re uh, review those memes again so you can see them. And Gabriel's going to uh, talk on these. He's going to touch on all of these topics. And it's going to be awesome. And then in addition, I'm going to throw a curveball at him. Not only do I want him to talk on postmodernism in the church, but... The universities have been infiltrated with critical race theory and postmodernism, and universities, how they were critical to the church. We're going to break it all down tonight. I'm going to go longer than our typical program. I've got more time tonight, and I, I just am so happy Gabriel's here. Gabriel, welcome, brother. Thanks for joining us. I mean, this has been a long week, but bless you for doing this. You are a trooper. Thanks, man. Thank you, Pastor Rob. Thank you, Pastor Rob. Really appreciate being on here. This is an opportunity that I really cherish and appreciate, so. Well, uh, uh, let, me, let me review some of these memes for you, uh, and, and we, can, we can laugh at them again because we, we did them the other <laughs> night. But they're critical for the church because truly the, it's satire, but pulpits are actually saying this stuff. Yes. I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I don't want to let my religion interfere with my politics. I mean, I, I think that... I don't really need to defend the voiceless or the the the, the unborn. I, I I just don't. I can't fathom it. But it's happening in pulpits. Here's here's another one you did. I, so good. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. But to be clear, I'm not talking about what you do to preborn children. They don't count because they're not human. Oh, <laughs> that one. And then I I love this woke Jesus. You're perfect just the way you are. I became a Christian because I was, I was sick of who I was. Mm, <laughs> I, I, was yes. I was tired of being selfish and self-consumed and hurting yes. people. Yes. And, and, and I, I, wanted, I, don't, I didn't want more of me. I wanted more of the Lord. So, mm -hmm. And he did yes. that. 
I like Amen. this one. My disciples, do you see these crowds? If you want to gather followers, you must stay away from addressing controversial subjects. I mean, <laughs> Jesus was the, 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 the seriously, he, he, could not, he could not have been a seeker-sensitive pastor because the stuff he said did not make people feel comfortable. They, they would even say, where else are we to go for you alone possess the words of life? Because the sayings were hard and people peeled off like, you know, a, a skin on an orange. Yes. And yet some of them remained. Jesus, yeah, woke Jesus, you're not a sinner, you're a victim. And yet mm-hmm. we know the Lord says that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Yes. And, and yeah, so this has infiltrated <laughs> the church. And this is probably the, the part because... You know, you, you look at the, the, the book of Exodus, slaves crying out to God, God sends a deliverer in Moses. And, and from Exodus all the way to the New Testament, it's all about setting man free, that you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. Yes. Freedom is not the absence of constraints, because the law is the wise restraints that make men free, that we can pursue the, the excellence that God intended in that Imago day. Yes. But then... Man infiltrates with his ideologies that enslave us, and they, they infiltrate the church, and they take away the truth of the 66 books of the Bible and redefine it and rewrite the lexicon and the semantics, and they come up with what they are considering the gospel, but it's anything but that. And we know gospel means good news, and they, they just they don't want to deal with the heavy truths. And then before, this is the last kind of intro, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. And, and truth mm-hmm. without love is brutality. But mm-hmm. love without truth is hypocrisy. There's a, there's a balance in that. And all yes. the way you and your brother and, and Theos, you do that, it's, it's yeah, it's cool. So, well, so talk about postmodernism, the church. Run with it, man. Well, just on that last point that you made, it's a, a, an excellent point about you know, uh, love uh, being hypocritical if it's not accompanied with truth. I think it was Thomas Aquinas who has largely been regarded as one of the greatest theologians that the church has ever produced, probably outside of the Apostle Paul. But Thomas Aquinas, in synthesizing the mind of the church over the last, you know, 1,200 years, he, he, he was, because he wrote in, I believe, the 13th century, he, was, he, he defined love as um, when, you love, when you love something, you will the good of another thing or another person. So to love isn't just to have these sentimental feelings, right? It's not, love cannot simply be an emotional thing. It, it has to be connected to the will, which is connected to the intellect, but it has to be connected to the will in a, in a way that wills the good for another person. And so when, you know, usually when we think about, you know, God being love, we think about God being this care bear who's just giving us bear hugs, you know, but God actually wills the good for us. And that's why he sent Jesus. That's why the father sent the son. He willed the good for the world. And, and the good for the world is that, that we don't perish, that we don't, that we aren't sent to hell for our sins, that we are given by his mercy the opportunity to repent and to turn to Christ. So that is that is the definition of love. And I, I want people to understand that because it's it's really a good principle to properly define love. When people say, what you're doing is unloving, I just say, well, define the word love for me. 
because I don't believe that our culture as as a as an emotional culture you see our culture is so emotional everything we do is based on how we feel and we we are we've moved from a rational culture thinking things through uh properly in a reasonable way and to to a culture that is based on the way we feel which is an animalistic culture actually it's based on this lower part of man in his soul as as an animal, um, you know, and it's not the way that God wants us to think. The Bible says in Romans chapter one and two that we are renewed, we are transformed by, by the, the renewing, renewing yeah. not the renewing of our emotions. No, interestingly, we're 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 not transformed by the by good feelings. <laughs> yeah, we are transformed by good thinking. Whatsoever things are good think on these things. Let us be transformed. Let the same mind of Christ be in us. And so that the mind is, 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 is why uh, Jesus is called the logos. He is called the truth because truth affects the mind, the intellect and the will. And it's by the, it's by understanding truth that we can properly identify the good through our intellect and then will it into being through our will. And so Aristotle, Aristotle, excuse me, Aristotle said that of all the creatures, we're the only ones that have the ability to, to speak the the spoken word. Yes. So, so my, my little granddaughter Liberty was born almost within a week or so of my great Dane. And now she's, she's grown up, he's grown up and she communicates and, and, my dog can tilt his head and maybe bark, but he, he can't form sentences and he certainly can't contend for justice, which is, mm-hmm. Aristotle said, the spoken word is to pursue truth and to establish justice. Yes. And, and it didn't take her long to say, that's not fair. And, yes. and so this logos, in the beginning, you know, God created, he, he, God said. So this, this word, this truth is critical to society, and the church is supposed to be the mouthpiece of that. And one last thing, our founders said that we have been given these inalienable rights, and then they give us the seven articles of the Constitution, and the very first amendment they give us after the Constitution, which begins with the preamble that establishes the king or the sovereign in America, it says, we the people. So we're the king, we're the sovereign, and every king needs a counselor, and every president needs a cabinet. And then they give us the First Amendment, the freedom of religion, the freedom of the press, the freedom of speech, and the freedom to peaceably assemble for right of redress of grievances. So they gave us counselors. The, the, the press was, was supposed to report the truth. The pulpits yes. were to proclaim it. The people right. were to live it. And if yes. the government abuses it, we're to, we're to assemble. Exactly. So, yes. Yes. That's why and the church is critical. Yes. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I, I will say, you know, and this might come as a shock to you, I don't know, um, or you may, perhaps your audience, but I am a Christian nationalist, and I, I am so unapologetically. I believe that... Wait, wait, this... wait, 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 wait. Christian nationalist Canadian, Christian nationalist American. <laughs> I am a Christian nationalist um, in, for, for every nation. I believe that we are to baptize the nations, that is the that is the part of the Great Commission that sometimes we leave out. 
but Jesus is, is, was explicit in baptizing the nations, discipling the nations into the kingdom of God. And what we used to call, I mean, really, we, we, in Europe, the name Christendom was used to describe Europe because you would right. see Christian nations. I mean, we, many times we don't realize that these used to be tribes. Gaul, you know, France used to be Gaul. It used to be a tribe, right? It used to be very much uh, n- not what it is today, but it became France through becoming submitted to Christianity, submitted to Christ and a, a Christian nation. And you'll see that these nations that are post-communist in the eastern part of Europe, they have run back to Christ. To Christianity, they, yeah. Yes, they have, it, they, uh, they, they have in warp speed turned uh, around and, and booted it right back home to, to the father like a prodigal son. And they've yep. dedicated countries like Poland and Hungary they have, and Russia, they've dedicated themselves to the cause of Christ and to, and to actually uh, establishing. And, and this, again, might be a little, you know, you're the, you're the constitutional expert here. And so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, establishing a religion in the sense of, in the sense of recognizing uh, more and more that we are Christians. This is a Christian nation. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Easter. These are our national holidays. And and that is, I, I understand th- there should be a tradition of continuity between what the founders of America and the founding fathers wanted. Uh, but at the same time, there, there are, I think we're realizing that if we don't become more Christian than, than even perhaps the founders were, perhaps the founders had a blind spot, maybe even on this point, that we, we need to dedicate America to God. I really believe that. And we need to dedicate it to Christ. And so that is perhaps, perhaps that might be, you know, uh, you can have me back to explain that. I don't know where you want to take well, that. Well, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't strike me as bordering on dominionism or, you know, a, a theocracy it does fall in line with the founders because when you look at the Mayflower Compact, the very first political compact on this land, that was the purpose was to to promulgate and, and to put forward the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and then you, you, you get our due process laws, and these are ministers that they, they say, well, the Salem witch trials. Well, that was stopped by ministers who looked at the scriptures for due process. Wow. So to say we're a Christian nation, you have you have the moral law. And, and even, even in the wilderness, uh, you had a constitutional republic because you had Jethro tell Moses, appoint godly men who love the law, who are not covetous, over thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens, federal, uh, state, county, local. Right. And so there's the republic. And then you're given a, a constitution, constitutional republic. You're given a constitution in the Ten Commandments. Right. So you're teaching moral law which allows the citizenry to flourish because you have constraints. You don't steal. You don't lie. Right. You don't covet. You don't murder. You honor yes. God and you're accountable to him. He gives the law. He gives, he, he gives these inalienable rights. You violate those. You're accountable to him. And so that's that, the fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. So yeah, the culture. Now our, our founders did say they weren't looking to, lift up any one religion. So they, they described it as the laws of nature, nature's God. 
They invoke the Lord four times in the Declaration of Independence, basing it out of Isaiah where the Lord is our king, our lawgiver, and our judge. So you have executive, legislative, judicial branch. And as they put that forward, they kind of left it at that. Now, with that freedom of religion, the religions that aren't free are the ones that call themselves a religion but are disguised as political movements like Sharia law. So in a sense, a, a portion of Islam is, is a political structure dis, dis, uh, disguised as a religion. That mm. they're going to enforce that enslavement on you if you do not adhere. Right. But, but with the freedom to exchange thoughts, it didn't matter if you were Protestant or Catholic or Jewish or if you were pre-trib or post-trib or you got to practice that. And in a yes. representative form of government, you, got to, it, you all got to enjoy that freedom. Right. So that's, that's I guess, yeah. maybe the only thing I would say. Yeah, that's great. I, I agree with all of that. <laughs> so as it pertains to as as postmodernism pertains to the church, I believe there are two things that are that are taking place. The first is liberalism within the church, and the second is skepticism uh, within, I would say, the university system. But perhaps we'll talk about that later. W- with liberalism within the church, I really believe that what it boils down to is essentially. I think C.S. Lewis called it um, Jesus plus water. <laughs> it it boils it boils it, it boils everything out. Really, it, it it actually dilutes. Liberalism is this idea, this notion that Christianity as a religion is just as good as any other religion. First and foremost, that it, it kind of relativizes the claims of Christ instead of instead of doing what Jesus himself did, which, which, was, which, is what, which is essentially saying, I'm offering you an exclusive way. I am not a way, I am the way. I am not... C.S. Lewis's, uh, tri- Lewis's trilemma. The trilemma. He's either yeah. a liar, lunatic, or Lunatic Lord. or Lord, yeah. Yeah. And the, the idea here is that Christianity has exclusive claims that must be reckoned with. And, and, and Lewis, again, thank you for bringing him up because he really, uh, that trilemma, it, that passage, I think you can look it up and uh, read it. It's, it's quite quick. But Lewis just says, Jesus didn't give us the option of making him just a good moral teacher, um, yeah. the, he kind of pacifying and defanging him. The claims of Christ are uh, earth shattering. They are cosmic claims. And you have to do something with those claims. And I believe that is why at TheosU we have taken um, certain adjectives to describe and to reinforce and to really combat liberalism within the church. So we use the term orthodox. We believe that the church uh, uh, has, we, we believe we need a return to orthodox Christianity. We use the term historic because we want that we want not, we don't, we believe that orthodoxy isn't just something we've made up in 2021. We believe orthodoxy can actually be traced through 2,000 years of creedal Christianity and, yeah. tr- and, and church history. Uh, you know, something like the Apostles' Creed, that is a, a bite-sized form of Christianity and the gospel that has the church has always taught and has always believed. And the Apostles' Creed has been the test of orthodoxy for 2,000 years. It is the thing that separates us and has always separated us from every other religion. And, th- yeah. you know, I, I, I like to, I like to when Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door, I like to say, hey, 
um, you know, I, I know you guys love to talk about the Bible and twist the scriptures, but you know, let me know. Let me let me ask you a question. Do you believe in this two thousand year old creed called the Apostles' Creed that summarizes the gospel? And when they say no, I say, well, that's the end of the conversation, isn't it? <laughs> you know, that's it's that's the thing that has always separated us. So at Theosu, we've learned that in order to combat liberalism within Christianity, which is this waning, uh, this dilution, this uh, really this entropy, this corruption and decay within within Christianity, you have to begin to uh, use terms that mean something. Uh, and and that that are connected to what the church has always taught. So uh, another term would be biblical. You know, we believe in the Bible as an authority, a primary authority for doctrine and for correction and for uh, living a moral life and for defining an immoral life and for training in righteousness so that we become perfect, so that we become as as Christ uh, uh, wants us to be, His bride, uh, pure and spotless. And, and, it, and in the history of the United States, most of the universities began as, as schools of learning to equip pastors and, and to have what they would call a classical education, right. where they would look at, at these philosophers, they would study the scriptures, they would have to know Greek and Hebrew and Latin to graduate, they'd be well-versed in the Bible, they, they would look at law, like Blackstone, who mo- most of his insights were scriptural, the, the number one uh, work that was quoted by, by all the founders more than any other was the Bible. And so right. these universities begin and they establish, and, and I love the word university. It, it, it strikes me as the word Elohim, where it says, let us make man in our image. And that's a interesting term. It's, it's singular, but it's, but it's plural. So it's, and it's unified and it's diverse. So you get university, uh, unified but diverse. So it's, it's diverse areas of study, unified for the purpose of bringing glory to the Lord. Right. And they, they would look at the universe created by him and find this, this truth that he wanted to reveal to us by studying to show ourselves approved. And, and as we're pursuing this and, and, and the nation flourishes with this education and people learning to read, uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of God. Yes. And then, and then the universities are infiltrated, and they're no longer teaching the Bible, and they take out humanities, and right now we're just educating smarter criminals. So, well, what, if, what's your yeah, take on I mean, all of it? You know, to be honest, the university system—I um, think I mentioned this in a previous podcast—but the universities were birthed out of the church in the Middle Ages out of Christian civilization in the Middle right. Ages. And ho- you also said hospitals too, yeah. Well, hospitals, right. Uh, I believe it was uh, St. Basil the Great who, who began the first hospital, and I think that was in the 5th century. And so what you, what you have is Christian civilization giving us all of these things that we just take for granted. And uh, the university system, as you mentioned, was formed in order to show us how everything is integrated. You see, how the, the diversity of life is actually, is, is actually a unity of life. That there's, there is a unity that, is, that everything is ordered towards, that God, as the supreme author of all things, has, has ordered us towards that, that unity, that integrity. And what we're noticing is, a, is not integrity, 
what we're noticing is not a, 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 a universal view of life, but actually fragmentation. What we're yeah. noticing is a deconstruction, which is really a destruction of yep. this, this, this proper way of thinking about life, that things are in unity, even though there is diversity and division and distinction. And th that, that university idea brought about all of the sciences that we enjoy. It brought about the Renaissance. You see, the Renaissance itself was a product of Christian civilization. Right. And, and so, you know, we, we, the, the Renaissance kept on going, even after the Reformation sort of fractured Christianity to a degree, which unfortunately is a history we have to, we have to look at that as well. But even, even after the Reformation, the Renaissance kept going. The Renaissance, and that's part of the problem, is that the Renaissance kept going, whereas the Reformation sort of slowed things down and, and, and created kind of a side issue that we yeah. are still dealing with to this day. But the Renaissance kept going. And what's unfortunate is that now we have all of this technology and no moral compass to use it. So we have all of this ability and no meaning along with the, 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 the facts. And so that has fragmented and, and caused us to, to come to a point in society where we have all of these wonderful things, but no purpose for them. And, yeah. and what, ends up, what ends up happening is this, this, this really degeneracy that goes along with that technology. So we're using technology not to actually, we're using medicine, medical technology, not to help people, but to kill babies, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we're using all of these instruments and institutions like the universities, not to form minds, through information, but to deform minds. So people are coming through indoctrination. Out of, yes, it's not. A, a, so the old idea of education was fusion. The new idea of education is confusion. And so you're, you're, you're seeing people coming out of our, even our public school systems. Our public school systems are completely, they are a total mess. Public education has not produced an educated public, as Chesterton said. And right. we, we, we are dealing with, uh, you know, um, I think it was uh, Joe Sobrin who said a hundred years ago, they were teaching Latin and Greek in high school. And uh, uh, now we're teaching remedial English in college. <laughs> so it, 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 as you talked about this idea of deconstruction and, and its destruction, it makes me think of that old adage, any any jackass or any donkey can knock down a barn door but only a carpenter can build one exactly and 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 the and the lord comes to build and and to bring yes. order and he and he yes. brought order out of chaos in creation yes and all the left can do is deconstruct and and yeah. after a while just like the law of entropy it, it's it's going to reduce to the least common denominator and it's the dumbing down of society and then ultimately our enslavement and our destruction and that that is, a, that is an antichrist uh, aspect. It, it, I, I don't have to be eschatologically speaking, eschatolat, uh, I always get that word wrong, but I don't have to be yeah. speaking in those terms. I, I'm, just, I'm just talking along the lines of the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes. And, 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 I, and that's, that's what's infiltrated every vestige. And I think, it, I think it was Augustine, St. Augustine, who said that the devil is the ape of God. Oh. You see... The devil can't create anything. The devil is not a creator. 
The devil is a destroyer. And that is what happens when you oppose the true source of all life. And so in our civilization, in our society, we have been given these keys to the kingdom. We have, and we've seen, we've seen wonderful things happen in our society as it has focused itself uh, uh, onto its, its, its founder, uh, uh, the Lord, right? As our Christian civilization is focused on Christ, we have thrived. But when we move into an antichrist position, when we move into a position that is antagonistic towards Christianity, we, again, we just move into a position that is not really inventing anything new, but simply destroying the inventions that have been created. So good. And, and how you tied in, not just the church, but the university tonight with this, this postmodern mess that we're in and how important it is for the church to awaken to its role. I, I, and you also, you, you touched on uh, the life issue. You touched on, uh, as we're going to cover tomorrow night, abortion. And so uh, that one is the one I've been looking forward to all week because you, you and I'm, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but you, you, you posted something that the, the first time I read it, I went, what? I like this guy. Wait, what? And, and, and just, you are so sneaky. I had to read it. And, and it drew me in, and I love the way you formulate it because it captivated me and caused me to think in a realm I never had. And you did it in regards to abortion. And, and I, I want to cover that tomorrow night, but um, I, I think we've gone long, and i I, I got to get one more segment in. And um, I just want to thank you for being with us and doing all these things. And you're going to be with us tomorrow night. We're going to cover postmodernism and life because it seems as though there isn't a value of life nowadays. So you happy to cover that? Of course. Yeah, it would be my privilege and pleasure. Right on. Well, folks, there you have it. That's what we'll be doing tomorrow night. Thanks for joining us tonight uh, with Gabriel Finocchio. We're going to do it again tomorrow night. you got to tune in. Tell everybody, because this, in my estimation, is his wheelhouse. This is one of those areas that if the, the, the church has gotten this so wrong that I honestly think that we're under judgment, and I think the nation is under judgment. There, there is a hierarchy to sin, and this one that we're going to cover tomorrow night is the pinnacle of it all as far as I'm concerned. It's one of those things that America has turned uh, their heart away from, and they've, they've turned a blind eye, and it's time we awaken and start to see it the way the Lord does, and no one better to open our eyes to that than the Lord using my good friend, Gabriel Finocchio. So join us tomorrow night. Thanks for joining us tonight. God bless you guys. See you soon. Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.